Let us begin our meditation. <clears throat> I don't think you have papers in front of you to recite metta, but I recite on behalf of all of you, and you just focus your mind on these words. And uh, think of the meaning of these words while I'm reciting. And then let your mind totally be focused on the meaning of these words. They make a great deal of uh, meaning especially when we put them into practice. Let me begin. These are the words we recite at lunchtime every day. <coughs> May we be well, happy and peaceful. May no May all beings be happy and secure. May all beings have happy minds. Whatever living beings there may be, without exception, weak or strong, long, large, medium, short, subtle or gross, visible or invisible, living near or far, born or coming to birth, May all beings have happy minds. Let no one deceive another, nor despise anyone anywhere. Neither from anger nor ill will should anyone wish harm to another. As a mother who risks her own life to protect her only child, even so towards all living beings, one should cultivate a boundless heart. One should cultivate for all the world a heart of boundless loving friendliness above, below, and all around, unobstructed, without hate or resentment. Whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, or when awake, one should develop this mindfulness. This is called divinely dwelling here, not falling into erroneous views but virtuous and endowed with vision. Removing desires for sensual pleasures, one comes never again to birth in the womb. These are the thoughts we must cultivate, not only sitting on the cushion, but all the time as Buddha said, whether sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, we keep these thoughts in mind. And these are the thoughts that make us living in heaven on earth. Brahma metam viharang idhamahu. Brahma is the highest being, the best mean a divine abode, divine place, divine beings. 
So we make our mind a divine abode, divine plane, when we cultivate these thoughts, because they are so altruistic that uh, the mind will be filled with uh, friendly metta feelings. With this feeling, we feel very happy and relaxed. So there is no time that we should not keep this thought in mind. Now it is even better while we are sitting on the cushion and the mind, we are trying to make the mind quiet, calm, relaxed and peaceful. This is the way to relax using this, this, the meaning of these words. Friendliness. We feel in this sitting that we all are friends. We are friends, those who are sitting behind us, in front of us, by our sides, all are our friends. When we sit in midst of friends, we feel secure, safe, and no tension and anxiety, nothing to worry, because every one of us sharing, practicing the same friendly feelings. When we live with friends, we feel secure. With this state of mind, it becomes easier for us to focus our practice, focus our mind on our practice. So now, with this atmosphere, meditative atmosphere, we start focusing our mind on the breathing. We use the breath as it is a very natural, normal, universal practice or phenomenon, impartial, and also we focus the mind to see what we experience. When we breathe in, we experience the feeling of inhaling. When the lungs are full, inhaling cuts off, then we feel the emptiness of air in our lungs. As we breathe in, that feeling fades away. We feel the feeling of filling our lungs. As we breathe out, when our exhaling complete, that feeling is gone, new feeling arises. Every time we breathe in, we experience new feelings. 
Every time we breathe out, we experience new feeling. So the feeling is keep changing. Feeling of inhaling, feeling of exhaling. Our perception of the breath and the feeling also is changing. So the perception becomes fresh. And our awareness is fresh. Every time feeling, perception, breath arises, our awareness also arises. When the breath becomes subtler and subtler, our feeling also becomes very subtle. When we feel the fresh feeling all the time, every moment is a new moment. No moment is old. We cannot experience future moments or the past moments. Every moment is fresh and new and present. That is why the Buddha asked us to focus the mind on the present. Parimukham satim upattabhattva. Parimukha means in front. In front is not a special in front, but in present moment. Very simple present moment is the present or in front moment. So the breath is changing, feelings changing, perception changing, awareness changing, consciousness changing. We notice these changes. You cannot avoid them when you pay mindful attention. Mindful attention is the attention without greed, hatred, or delusion. Attention free from confusion. Clear, clean, undivided attention. Only when we pay attention, the truth appears to us. That is why the Buddha said, Manasikara Sambhava Sabya Dhamma. All phenomena we experience only when we pay attention. When we don't pay attention, many things pass without our awareness. When we pay attention, we become aware of how things happen, how quickly they happen, how quickly they disappear. When one thing arises, along with another thing arises. When peace arises, we feel comfortable. When agitation arises, we feel uncomfortable. All this happens instantly, immediate in the immediate present. So, <coughs> Only way to notice all this is undivided attention. And therefore, we must pay mindful attention that in Pali called Yonisho Manasikar. Yonisho means from the root, the beginning. 
Even when greed arises, we become aware of the greed from the very beginning. When non-greed arises, we become aware of that non-greedy state. When uh, confusion arises, we become aware of con confusion as it arises. So friends, we always experience something or other happening. So sometimes people say that they cannot gain concentration. Not gaining concentration is another object of mindfulness. That means when the mind is not concentrated, we become aware of that, be mindful of it. That is why the Buddha says, Samahitam chittam, samahitam chittam tipajanati. Asamahitam chittam, asamahitam chittam tipajanati. The mindful person knows the mind is gaining concentration or mind is not gaining concentration. So that becomes an object of our awareness or mindfulness. Then slowly and gradually all other distractions fade away. Only the mindfulness stays focused on the breath. And then breath also becomes subtler and subtler and subtler. Then your awareness becomes very sharp and clear. Then all other distractions fade away. You experience great deal of joy, which leads to happiness, which leads to concentration. So nothing should be precluded, everything should be used to notice the impermanent change, change nature of everything we experience. Noticing impermanent nature of anything and everything is the theme of Vipassana meditation. And therefore, we want to, I want you all to spend this next few minutes, at least uh, another 15 to 20 minutes, uh, focusing your mind on your breathing, keeping the, these few instructions for, in mind, uh, then uh, stay on the on this theme and then you will see how quickly you gain concentration as you gain concentration your awareness of changes becomes very sharp and therefore you will gain very calm peaceful state of mind and you will be very happy to stay in that state. So we'll, I want to stop here, so you continue the practice until I ring the bell.
concentration without wisdom, no wisdom without concentration. One who has both wisdom and concentration is close to peace and emancipation. Okay, uh, you all started the retreat with the eight lifetime precepts, or eight precepts, and now we are going to administer the five precepts. Those who are unfamiliar with the five precepts may look at the paper. You can see on one page, three refuges, and the five precepts. Those who know them by heart, they don't have to look at the paper. I think most uh, Theravada Buddhists know the five precepts and three refuges. So now start with reciting the first part, Okasa.
Just like an umbrella protects those who protect the umbrella, so the Dhammachari, the, those who practice Dhamma, will not go to woeful state of existence. This is the meaning of the stanza that I recited in Pali. This is very true. Hundred percent true. When you carry an umbrella in rains like today and come home, if you take care of the umbrella, you shake it up, get the water out, put it in a dry place. And the next time when you want to use the umbrella when it rains, that umbrella will help you. If you throw away the umbrella to a corner and let it be eaten by insects, mice, and rot building what you call moss, and so forth, next time when you open the umbrella, it is unusable. Either it is broken or eaten by insects and you cannot use the umbrella. Similarly, when you listen to Dhamma, read the Dhamma, discuss the Dhamma and just forget it. Never put that into your life. Can that Dhamma help you? No. You will be having a lot of greed, hatred, anger, fear, tension, delusion, confusion. All your mind will be filled with all these things. The Dhamma that you listen, read and discuss doesn't help you. Right? So what should we do to get some help from the Dhamma? We must put it into practice. So that is how the Dhamma protects us. So when we practice Dhamma, and Dhamma will always protect us. I mentioned in the, at the beginning, one Dhamma is practicing metta. You recite metta a million times, and do not put into practice, can metta help you? Never help you. Some people believe that if they practice metta, they will be protected by fire, poison and weapon. That is 
mentioned in the suttas, in Metta and Sansa Sutta, Metta and Sansa Sutta says that Agiva Visangva Satangva, Na Agiva Visangva Satangva Kamati. That means when you practice Metta, you will not be affected by fire, poison, and weapon. Do you believe in that? You believe? I don't believe in that. <laughs> so suppose I practice metta. Somebody comes behind me and shoot. Doesn't the bullet go through my body? Somebody comes and stab me from behind. Doesn't the weapon doesn't go through my body? Or somebody without my awareness, I mean completely absorbed in metta, somebody comes around and set fire to my robe, <laughs> won't I be burnt? I will be burnt. You know that very famous story, most of those uh, traditional Buddhists uh, know the story. <laughs> there was a, a woman called Samavati. Buddha called Samavati in Anguttara Nikaya, he mentioned, etadagyam bhikke mamas gihisarikanam upasikanam metta viharinam yadidam Samavati. Because among my lay female disciples practicing metta, Samavati is number one. Buddha gave this recognition that Samavati was practicing metta. Among metta practicing lay women, she was number one. And also she not only practiced metta, she taught metta. Every week she had a metta retreat, metta retreat. And 500 women came to attend her metta retreat. There was, this was King Udena's wife. There was another wife, who kings had many, many women as wives, uh, concubines. Another woman called Magandhya. Magandhya was very, very angry with the Buddha. Why was she angry? Her father, her father, wanted to marry this woman to a man, this young woman. She was the most beautiful woman. Whoever came to propose to marry her, she would reject her, reject him, saying he is short or dark or tall or thin or find one some, something or other wrong in this man. So she rejected. Then now, as time goes by, this woman is not getting younger. So the parents want to marry her. One day, her father was 
going through a forest and saw very nice, beautiful, majestic looking, young, healthy, radiant man sitting under a tree. And he ran home and uh, reported to his wife and daughter that uh, he found a young man. This time, my daughter will never reject him. Definitely, he will. She will agree to marry him. So they, he brought husband, uh, his um, wife and daughter, and proposed to this man. Who is this man? The Buddha. <coughs> the Buddha. And when he proposed to the Buddha, Buddha said. Visvāna tannaṁ arathiṁ ratiṁca nāhosikāmaṁ api metunasmiṁ kime udhaṁ midhaṁ mutta karīsa pūnnaṁ pāhadāpinaṁ pusitaṁ naiche. Don't get offended when I tell the meaning of that. <laughs> Especially women can get offended. Having seen tanna rati raga, three divine Celestial angel women. Buddha said, I did not have a scruple of lust for them. How can I marry this woman full of excrement and urine? <laughs> so Mahagandhya got very, very angry. <laughs> she wanted to hurt the Buddha, but he could not hurt the Buddha. Then Mahagandhya found Samavati was Buddha's disciple, practicing metta, easy target. <coughs> so she thought of hurting her. When one day when she was practicing metta and teaching metta uh, in her metta retreat with 500 women, <coughs> Mahagandhya tried many, many ways to destroy Samavati, hurt her, poison the king's mind against her, and various things she tried, but nothing worked because she was practicing metta. Finally, she got her relatives and friends and uh, pour oil around the building, they were meditating, and set fire. All the 500 women, while practicing metta, died in that fire. So fire burned people while practicing metta. So while she was dying, there are many such stories. This is a very popular one. <clears throat> so, while practicing, while they were dying, Samavati very loudly said, Sisters, this is the time to practice metta. This is the time not to have uh, one bit of anger 
towards the people who set fire to this building. Even at that time, although she said, let our body be burnt, but don't let your mind have a little bit of anger. So, that is how she practices it. What does it mean? <clears throat> when you practice metta, your mind will not be affected by not this external fire. Your mind will not be affected by fire of poison, greed, fire of hatred, fire of delusion. There is a, a discourse in this book, you can read it when you have time. There is a called Ragaggi, Dosaggi, Mohaggi. Ragavisa, Dosavisa, Mohavisa. Ragasatta, Dosasatta, Mohasatta. So, when you practice metta, your mind will not be affected by the poison of greed, hatred and delusion. Not will be affected by the fire of greed, hatred and delusion. Not will be affected by the weapon of fire, of greed, hatred and delusion. That is the meaning. So, what the Buddha said is very true. We must understand the meaning of when we practice metta, our minds, only those who practice metta, only those who practice metta, will not be affected by greed, hatred and delusion. <clears throat> and therefore, if we simply recite metta and do not practice and put into your life, you always will be angry. You always have poison of greed in your mind, poison of uh, hatred, delusion. And therefore, just like the umbrella, umbrella you carry as a walking stick if you don't use it when it rains that umbrella will not help you. If you throw away the umbrella here and there and let it be destroyed by insect and mice and so forth, that umbrella will not help you. Similarly, friends, Dhamma is for us to put into practice. Dhamma is for us to put into practice. If you do not practice Dhamma, no matter how much you book, read books, Dhamma books, entire library, you go to Congress, Library of Congress, and you find millions of Dhamma books of various, in various languages, not only Pali, Singhalese, and so forth, the biggest library in the world. It is said that if you stack the books from the Library of Congress, stack one upon the other, you can reach the moon. That many books are there. Even if you read all these books <laughs> and never practice, never put them into practice, it will not help you. 
Therefore, <coughs> you came for a short retreat. You listened to many beautiful Dhamma talks, and all of them conveyed a wonderful message of the Buddha. And when you leave, go home, remember what you have studied. Dhammaṁ sunāti sutta dhammaṁ dhāryati dhātānaṁ dhammaṁ attaṁ uparikati When you listen to dhamma or read the dhamma, you must memorize it. And think of the meaning of what you have memorized. And then you must ask yourself, how can I put this dhamma into practice? How can I put this into practice? None of us can go behind you to remind you how to practice dhamma because we don't know whether you practice or not because you live your personal life. Only those who are 100% honest and sincere with themselves will see their mind how much they have messed up the mind. Once the mind is messed up, you cannot expect any peace, <laughs> any happiness, any joy, because the, the very origin, the root is, is spoiled. When mind is spoiled or poisoned, we mentioned this many times, there are very beautiful things in the Buddha's teaching. Every word is beautiful, provided it is Buddha's own words. Not something that is uh, said in the name of the Buddha, but the real thing that the Buddha taught is like diamond, all meaningful. If we misunderstood the Dhamma, that is far more dangerous than catching a snake, poisonous snake, by its tail. There's a very beautiful discourse in Majjhimanikai called Alagad Dupama Sutta. Alagad Dupama Sutta. Alagad means snake, poisonous snake. When you <clears throat> catch a poisonous snake, why people catch poisonous snakes? They want to extract venom to use for medicine. For that purpose, they catch poisonous snake. Similarly, if you learn the Dhamma and misunderstood the Dhamma, you will, instead of using it, you will abuse it. Or, when you, when you abuse it, you poison your mind. The misunderstanding of Dhamma is far more dangerous than catching a poisonous snake by its tail. If you want to catch the poisonous snake, safely you have to catch him using a 
fork-like stick and press is pressing down by his neck and catch his head and then open his mouth very carefully and get the venom. Similarly, when we understand the Dhamma, listen to Dhamma, read the Dhamma, discuss the Dhamma, we must try to understand the Dhamma correctly. See, in this story of metta practice, if we simply say that if I practice metta, fire poison weapon outside would not affect me, and you will go to a forest, a jungle, and when a lion is coming towards you, you practice metta. Would the lion run away? No. Why? You misunderstood the message. You misunderstood the message. Therefore, Buddha said in the Sabbhasava Sutta, when there are poisonous, what you call, dangerous animals and so on, avoid them. You see, Parivajjana Pahatabha, Sabbhasava Sutta Sutta number two in the Madhyamanika, Sabbhasava when, the, when there are uh, wild animals, dangerous, avoid them. When uh, <clears throat> there are traps, avoid them. So, when we practice, when we learn the Dhamma, we must learn the meaning correctly, properly. If you misunderstood the Dhamma, you poison your mind as well as millions of people's minds. When snake bites, <coughs> hold him incorrectly, when the snake bites, you will be sick or gravely sick or you may die. It is not contagious, it's not infectious. But that's only limited to one life. But if you misunderstood the Dhamma, you can poison your mind and millions and millions of other people's minds by giving wrong message. And people have been doing it all along. And therefore, <clears throat> using the umbrella correctly, properly, you will be saved. If you don't use it properly, you will not be using the umbrella for your own benefit. Nadugatin gachiti dhammachari. Dhammachari means those who practice dhamma live in accordance with the dhamma. It is not very easy to live in accordance with the dhamma if you do not understand the dhamma. You don't know what to practice. For instance, <coughs> Meditation. Meditation is the best thing that anybody can do in one's life to make the life peaceful, happy and healthy. To keep the healthy mind, you meditate. When the mind is healthy, the body is healthy. So these two are connected. If the meditation, you misunderstood the meditation, you go to various places and learn various things from various 
uh, teachers, and uh, you don't know what to practice. And therefore, <coughs> sometimes people ask us, uh, how do we know? There are so many things in the name of Buddhism. How do we know which is the Buddha's teaching? <coughs> or how do we know the truth? Because in the name of truth there are so many things. In the name of Buddha's teaching there are so many things. You may ask, uh, especially these days because of these uh, uh, mass communications and uh, sources, hundreds of different sources are available for uh, us to learn now because of this uh, new sophisticated communication system. You learn various things and then you begin to find out how to sort out the Buddha's teaching. What is really uh, real Buddha's teaching? How do we find out? Only way to find out uh, is what, because the truth is the truth. No matter who tells the truth, it doesn't matter from whom the truth comes, it is the truth. As I mentioned in my first talk, truth is, does not vary from person to person, country to country, situation to situation. Truth is truth. In order to find out what the Buddha taught, which is true, all you had, there's only one criterion. That is, you must ask, does this teaching lead me to get rid of suffering or does it increase my suffering? Buddha said in his, in his final discourses, in many places, because I teach only two things, suffering and its end. Suffering and its end. You ask yourself whenever you learn something in the name of Buddhism, ask yourself, does this help me to get rid of my suffering or not? If it doesn't help me to get rid of my suffering, that is not the Buddha's teaching. If it does help me to get rid of suffering, that is the Buddha's teaching. <clears throat> In Mahapadana, Buddha mentioned four things. Suppose you learn Dhamma, somebody will tell you, I learned the Dhamma from the Buddha's own mouth, sitting right in front of him, I learned the Dhamma. Therefore, what I say is true. Everything else is false. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. You go and check with the source. This is number one. Number two, suppose somebody tells you that he learns the Dhamma from bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, learned bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, after the Buddha passing away, and therefore what I say is the truth, everything else is not true. Don't accept it, don't reject it, Find, go and refer to the sources. Third person would say, I learned the Dhamma from 
all the learned bhikkhus, very highly educated, with many qualifications, 10 PhDs and so on. I learned from them. Therefore, that is the truth. Nothing is true. Go and don't accept, don't reject, but go and check. Lastly, somebody will say, I learned the Dhamma from bhikkhunis. As the Buddha said, unless bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasaka, upasakas are uh, very uh, learned, uh, skillful to teach Dhamma, and these bhikkhunis are very great, skillful, learn the Dhamma, I learn from them. Therefore, what I say is the truth. What, 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 what the bhikkhunis say, bhikkhunis say that what they say is true, so I learn from them. Buddha said, don't accept it, don't reject it, go and check the source. What is the source? Source is the Four Noble Truth. If the teaching that you learn does not match with the Four Noble Truth, that is not the Buddha's teaching. So, where you find it? <coughs> where you find the Four Noble Truth? I bet you find it in the our library. Oh, any other library? Where do you find it? You find it in yourself. <laughs> Where is dukkha? Where is suffering? In here. Cause of suffering? In here. End of suffering? Nibbana? In here. And the path leading to Nibbana is here. You, each and every one of us, carry these four noble truths, but try to find out. How to find out? Ask questions. Ask questions. Don't try to hide the truth. Trying to hide the truth is like trying to hide the sun. You cannot do that. You ask yourself, do I have suffering or not? People are very good in uh, cheating themselves. Very good. Friends, you can cheat anything and anybody but you. If you ask yourself whether I have suffering or not, what would be the answer? I have. You cannot say I don't. Right? So, I have suffering. Why do I have suffering? Why? Because I have a greed. I have ignorance. Therefore, I don't know how to handle this and continue to suffer. So, can I end it? Can I end my greed and ignorance? Yes. Buddha, Buddha said, us to, said to us many times, because I never ask you to do anything that you cannot do. 
so we can end suffering that we can do and then you must ask how follow the path where is the noble eightfold path right understanding right thinking right uh, speech right action right livelihood right effort right mindfulness right concentration where are they all in us so we must we have all the four noble truth in us all only thing we have to do is to look at ourselves ask these questions and then we try to follow the buddha's advice friends <clears throat> i think uh, my time is up for this today's concluding talk uh, i hope you all uh, learn something since you came here all good things dhamma remember as much as you can and try them try to put them into practice and remember the simile of umbrella you are now carrying an umbrella use this umbrella rain is always there to protect you and liberate yourself and get dry home <laughs> and uh, get home dry and don't get wet today i must thank uh, these venerable monks venerable sadaji venerable gyansara and venerable dhammaratna and our cook who um, prepared very delicious meals and the people who helped him in the morning before food was uh, cooked and after cooking cleaning and preparing and all this so we thank everybody and i wish i want to wish all of you very happy peaceful day and peaceful trip home and continue your practice may you all attain nibbana <coughs>